You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. We're dancing our way into 2022 with two very special guests. Jerry Mitchell is a two-time Tony Award-winning choreographer for La Cage Faux and Kinky Boots, both of which he also directed. His directing credits also include Legally Blonde, On Your Feet, and Pretty Woman. Offstage, Jerry has made a significant impact as the creator of Broadway Bears, the annual comedy burlesque show that has raised over $24 million for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. We're also joined by my friend Paul Kanan. He has appeared as a performer on Broadway for over 15 years and has served as a dance captain on Kinky Boots. He's also the co-founder and executive director of Take It From the Top, a national arts alliance that provides quality education enrichment through music, dance, and theater. Jerry and Paul recently partnered to launch The Original Production, a dance and licensing company that offers high schools and theaters the opportunity to learn and perform original Broadway choreography. I'm so thrilled to have them here today. Jerry, Paul, welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Hi. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for Happy having New us. Year. Happy, <laughs> Happy New, New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. Yes. Well, actually, let's start with this idea of Happy New Year. Um, I wondered <laughs> what, you know, it's such a weird thing, but I mean, people make resolutions and they think this is sort of this new beginning. And I wondered if, you know, if we sort of latch on to that concept, what are your hopes and dreams for 2022? And you know, sort of what emotions are you feeling or experiencing as we cautiously move into 2022? Paul, go first. <laughs> <laughs> you want to collect your thoughts. You're the performer. Uh, oh, no, 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 not anymore. I hung my heels. Um, I guess I want to keep on keeping on and try not to get distracted by the fears and, you know, the COVID of it all that, that the place we feel like we were in last year in a way and the scary place our industry is in. I, I think there's still a lot of opportunities to inspire people more than there were before in a way. And I just want to be a part of that. I love using theater to, to inspire all people, but especially young people because they're literally the future. 
and I just want to, I just want to keep on fighting and not get distracted. This is the second new year's with uh, living with COVID, isn't it? I mean, it's, um, it's been a strange year. It's a, it's certainly a strange place to be two weeks before the biggest, the biggest, most profitable weeks in the Broadway market. We were hit with this new variant that just completely took the wind out of our sails, which were starting to collect wind again. Shows were open, people were, the, the streets were getting packed, you know, restaurants were starting to fill up and, um, we were in a, this wonderful place and now we got hit, you know, kicked, kicked in the behind, so to speak. And, you know, the, the good news is I was reading something today about where are we, you know, and we're so much further ahead than we were when this, when this thing first hit us, we've got vaccines, we've got boosters, we've got knowledge about how to take care of ourselves. So we don't have to shut everything down again. We can keep working and I'm really, I'm really optimistic. I think, I think we're going to come back quicker this time with this little variant. And I'm just hoping more people get vaccinated and boosted. So maybe we can get rid of all the variants and get back to what we love doing. Speaking of what we love doing and what you guys love doing, you know, specifically for Broadway, you know, as Broadway comes back, do you have any you know, wishes on, on like what you'd like to see that's better or different um, as we reemerge from sort of the darkness that we've been in. Well, for for me, I I I um was invited to get involved with Black Theater United um, early early in the pandemic, and I spent a good year or more in Zooms with you know some of the greatest. Uh, performers and entertainers and creators in our business and producers and and uh, designers and you know everybody and we came up with the 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 new deal which is part of the black theater united and we're still doing the work and the work will continue for forever so what do i want to see i want to see more inclusion and more representation but i've always wanted to see that and have always tried to include that in my work wherever i can so it's a, it's another great thing that has come out of this pandemic a chance for us all to stop look at our business and think how can we make it better well we can make it better by being more inclusive and more and representing more people in the world in our in our work absolutely yeah. I think back to what I was saying about how children are literally the future. I think with my education efforts, there's so many, there's a lot of performing arts programs all over the nation that teach you how to get on stage and perform and, and learn a song from a Broadway show. But what a lot of people, what a lot of young people don't know about our business is the business side of it. You can be a director, you can be a designer, you can be a sound designer. There's company management. If you're really passionate about this, but don't want, necessarily want to be on stage, there's kind of a world of TV and film that people don't know about. So one of the opportunities with kind of going virtual into classrooms is that I've been able to bring really cool guests. Jerry's been a guest of mine a ton with my teaching kids and just giving them a new perspective about, oh, that's another career path than, than just the performing path. Because I think once they get that in their minds, there's, I think there's a lot of power in the, in the Broadway community coming up in the ranks with with the younger people and they need to know what they're passionate about and it may not be performing that they just have access to right now yeah professional development is so important if i knew you know back then that i could have been a marketing executive 
for Broadway, that would have been, you know, I wish I had known that. I mean, I stumbled upon it, thankfully, but um, yeah, I, I didn't know that there weren't, there were jobs that like that. Yeah. So I, I think being able to talk about that to the next generation is so important and developing that pipeline of diversity yeah. again with all of the jobs, both on stage and behind the scenes and yeah. probably you know, almost more important than anything else is like on the producing side, creating more diversity, right? Yes, of course. Oh, yeah. Of course, absolutely. The people who make the decisions about what gets, what content and what stories get told. Yeah. Um, yeah. So speaking of stories, I have two stories really quickly. Um, I was thinking about the two of you coming on here. And, you know, when I think of you, Jerry, I always think about 9-11, right after 9-11, we produced that big public service campaign. Yes. And that was to help sort of bring Broadway and New York City back. And we needed a choreographer. We had 500 Broadway actors that assembled <laughs> in costume in Times Square to sing and dance to New York, New York. And we hadn't really, like, it was happening so fast that we didn't really think, oh, and what are they going to do? Like, how are they going to move? And who's going to organize this? And you stepped up you know, in, as the way you always do. And you put the whole thing together and you inspired everybody. And that day was such a crazy day. There was so much hope, but there was yeah. also like great sadness and fear. But you you rallied everybody and you also did these amazing dance moves that everybody, well, except for <laughs> Elaine Stritch, could follow. <laughs> well, she might have followed if she had shown up on time. She showed up late. So <laughs> no, but yeah. you know, it was so interesting because we I was um I was in pre-production for uh got it for Never Gonna Dance, a, a new musical that I was doing. And I had a team of about 10 dancers with me and drew called drew uh um you know from spotco and he said uh hey drew hodges he said hey jerry can you help us we're going to do this all the broadway cast and i said absolutely whatever you need i'll make it happen he sent me over the tape i listened to the tape came that day and walked into the booth theater and there mm -hmm. in in the audience were all of the cast members of every Broadway show. And I stood on the stage of the Booth Theater, I played the playback and I said, just stand up and do this with me. And everybody stood up and did the choreography, we did about five times. And then we were called out to the, called out to our, our um, places in Times Square. And as each cast went, I put one of my assistants with the cast. So they went with the cast and they kept working with them while we were assembling and it was all just, when I think back, the magic of what happened and how our community came together is truly one of the reasons I love Broadway so much and why mm -hmm. I feel that there's such a home, uh, a home, a collective home for so many who come to Broadway and work because when, when the chips are down, we have a tendency to come together like no other organization I know. Absolutely. And, you know, I was thinking about you, Paul, and uh -oh. I, as you know, I have a daughter who's severely disabled and lives in a residential program called New Hope Community. And we were doing a fundraiser that was about, I don't know, 90 minutes, two hours from the city. And Paul, you schlepped all the way up there to this event. You recruited some of your Kinky Boots castmates and you guys performed and you emceed the event and uh, helped us raise a lot of money. And over the years, you've helped me so much when I was at the Broadway League with arts ed programs for kids. And, um, you know, you just do so much. And I was thinking about that in terms of like this podcast is about giving back, which both of you do sort of just inherently. It's part of your everyday lives. And we'll get into some of the specifics about your philanthropic efforts. But 
first, I just wanted to talk about this idea of being a person who acts with purpose, who is of service to others. And I just wondered, you know, what what that looks like for each of you. Um, and, you know, is this something that you think about? Is this something you strategize about? How do you how do you sort of make that happen in your everyday lives and in the bigger picture too? I, I'll go first because I think for me, for me specifically with Broadway Bears, it it was um, an event that was created out of a necessity, right? I was I came to New York City in 1980, and by 1990, I had lost ten of my closest friends from college. And I was licking stamps at GMHC for their walkathon and trying to find ways to participate in, in making change that I could afford. I couldn't afford $500 dinners. I was, I was a dancer in a Broadway show, right? And um, I also, at the same time, was desperate to choreograph a Broadway show and looking for an outlet to show my creativity. And it was Jason Opsall who was a dressing roommate and Troy Johnson and John Ganon, And they said, why don't you go dance on your Indian costume at the bar at Splash and raise money for the Broadway Cares Easter Bonnet competition? So, you know, Broadway puts on these, these events where they raise money for, for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. One of them is the Easter Bonnet. And you're always doing bake sales and stuff. But we were trying to think of new ideas. So I called some guys, we got together on the bar at Splash, and we basically put on a strip show and raised about $8,000. And I said, wait a minute, this is amazing. I choreographed this, people saw it, I'm going to do it better, I'm going to do it with girls. And it just snowballed into this annual event that has, you know, I think the last live event we did, which was two, almost three years ago now, raised in one night $2 million. But it also, in the, in the, process of it'll be the 30th anniversary this year when we do the show live in the process of about 10 years of doing the benefit producers were seeing my work as a choreographer and now i was being invited to choreograph a broadway show so i did this thing out of necessity which became a calling card for my ability to do what it was i wanted to do in the first place all of that is just sort of crazy when you look back at it. The reason I was kind of philanthropic, or I, I think I think for me, the reason I, I community means so much to me and giving back means so much to me is because I was taught that by my grandparents, to be quite honest with you. I had an immigrant grandfather from Italy, uh, and he was he ran the town I grew up in. He basically- Wait, is this, is this Pawpaw, Michigan? And this yeah, Pawpaw? he basically had so much property and he had a wine, he was one of the first winemakers and he had a restaurant and a spaghetti business. And he had, he had come from nothing and made money, although we weren't rich and he had a lot of land. And when my grandfather died, I found these deeds for- acres of land that he would give to people for a penny so they'd have a place mm -hmm. to build a home. And that was the kind of guy I grew up learning from, you know, so, mm -hmm. and my parents. So it was generosity and f being philanthropic and helping your neighbor was something that I was definitely taught by my grandparents. 
Wow. A lot of people have said that, that they feel like it's been sort of passed down in their DNA and, yeah. and they saw it modeled for them. Um, I do love saying Papa, Michigan. It's just such a fun to say Papa. Jerry is from Papa. Isn't there a sign in the town, Jerry, that says Tony Award winner Jerry Mitchell lives here? Yes, yes. They, they, <laughs> they put up a sign. <laughs> How, wait, what's hilarious. the population of Papa? Oh, I'm not even sure now. Uh, it's in the, I think it's somewhere between 10 and 30,000, maybe. I, I'm guessing. <laughs> but Jerry, it's um, small. Tony Award it's small. winner. Yeah. Um, well, Paul, you grew up in San Francisco, right? In the city? Is that where you grew up? I grew up in Marin in the Bay Area, just Marin, north yeah. of San Francisco. Yeah. Um, so what's your experience like in terms of like your, your, your history informing sort of your, your efforts, with, especially with regards to arts education, but what's your story? Yeah. Well, service is such a funny word. It makes me think of when I was Mormon, because I grew up Mormon randomly, and then was a drag queen for Jerry Mitchell for many years. Um, <laughs> okay, wait, everybody just funny... has to stop and ima imagine this in their heads for a second. Yeah. Okay. 20 years ago, I was a Mormon missionary in, in Mexico City. And then 20 years later, I was a high kick and drag queen with uh, Cindy Lauper and Jerry Mitchell in Kinky Boots. <laughs> um, but that makes me think of being forced to give in a way, like you're doing this because of a religion or because of family and stuff. And I think my artistry and my, my kind of work in theater has just brought out more of my true colors in a way. I love bringing people together. I love taking ideas and being like, well, who connects to that? Who connects to that? Which I loved always working with you, Jan, because you're someone when you worked the league that just had a ton of ideas about education and producing this and the Tony awards. And you just we're so good at, well, that person can do that and that person can do that. Jerry Mitchell, another mentor example to me of visionary community in a theater. He, he brings his, his friends and creates a community in any theater that is respectful and courteous. And the energy in that theater, you, you know it's a Jerry Mitchell show because everybody's best friend. Everybody wants mm -hmm. to show up to work for each other, for him, for the show they care about. That was completely kinky, but completely legally blonde. My experiences with it. Um, so I've just kind of taken those lessons into what I can do now, which is give back in through my arts education program. Also through the original production has a lot of um, education elements that a lot of up and coming choreographers and teachers and directors, I think, are learning from the original creators that they didn't have a way to do that before. <clears throat> but also I've gotten involved in um, this great org organization, which made me think of your daughter's um, be benefit fundraiser that we did. Um, it's called the Penguin Project, and it empowers young people with special needs through theater. And every kid has a mentor with them on stage. And mm. I just, I've, I've gotten to know that community. And I just feel like disability and special needs is such an underserved community and theater, such a beautiful way to, allow them to be empowered through expression and singing a solo on stage. And it's, that is very exciting to me. And I'm excited to, to develop new programs for all sorts of special needs. But it's, it's, it's bringing people together for a common good, I think, is what I'm passionate about. Paul, were your parents, were your parents or grandparents um like that i mean is that where you think it came from did it come from your parents and grandparents your 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 desire to give back your desire to embrace the community or the mormon yeah. church 
I think it was them authentically, but also the teachings. I mean, I think there's a stigma when you grow up religious and you're not that religion anymore to kick against it and be like, it's bad and religion's bad. I don't believe that. I believe in taking the good from the way I grew up. There's so many things I appreciate about my Mormon upbringing that I that I don't want to disrespect. I learned a lot of service and I was in Mexico for two years living in dirt floors and very different situations speaking that language. And my parents wanted me to go. My dad went on a mission. It was kind of this legacy that was that was passed down. Yeah. And that my parents are definitely what can you do for other people? My dad's the most serviceable giving of his talents. He's a he's a designer. He's a very professional graphic designer, corporate branding guy. And he'll do stuff for me for free, for us, for anybody at any time he's needed. He shares his talents. So sharing your talents was always a thing I was taught growing up. That's the sum up of that. Yes. And both of you have been growing up and doing good. And it's almost like a karma thing because then that good has helped both of your careers in a way too. And I mean, we always talk about when you do something. I don't something. know how I can't, actually. I don't know how it can't. When, when, you're, when you're infused in something like the arts, which we all are, and the arts are, are usually filled with people who are passionate, right? You don't get into mm-hmm. the arts because you're not passionate. You get into the arts because you can't do anything else. You have to be in the arts. So you're surrounded by people with passion, and there's so much passion in the room. There's overflowing cups. And that passion still has to find a place to 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 um, to land, and and we get together, and then we come up with these crazy ideas, and we put on shows outside of our shows that make money for people who want to go see shows. It's just it just all feeds itself, really. It really it really does. Let's talk about how each of you got involved with dance because your both of your careers start with dance, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm imagining Jerry and Papa, Michigan. I just like oh. saying that. I'm going to say it a million times. <laughs> um, but like, were you like, were you dancing around the living room or like, how did you oh, yeah. know? Like, when yeah, did you know? I, I was yeah. definitely dancing around the living room. I was, I don't think I ever told my brothers this, if they ever listened to this podcast. When I was a kid and the family would leave the house, we had a huge picture window and I would open the picture window at night because it was like a mirror and I would dance in front of it and do routines and stuff so I could see myself. And I didn't even know what I was doing at that point because I hadn't taken a dance class. I started dancing at the Papa Village Players with the production of The Music Man when I was 10 years old. That was my first introduction to theater and to dance. And the woman who was the choreographer, Cindy Meath, who's not with us anymore, God bless her. She had the dance school in town, the Meath Dance Studio. So very much like the musical Billy Elliot, she kept trying to get Mm -hmm. me to come to the studio and I wasn't going, I wasn't going, it was all girls, it was all girls. Finally, by the time I was 15, I broke my collarbone racing a friend home on my bicycle after football practice. And I went, I'll go now. This is an excuse to keep my legs in shape for basketball next season. So I went to dance class and I never left. And she was really the one who, you know, put the hook in my mouth and got me in the room. And then I never left the room. But then I didn't really learn ballet until I stepped onto campus at Webster College where I went to school. And Gary Hubler, the teacher there, took me under his wing and gave me a foundation in ballet, which served me to get to Broadway. 
So yeah, dance was always there. So you're the Billy Elliot story, and Paul, you're the Book of Mormon story. What's your story? <laughs> <laughs> Just dancing through the hallways of the Mormon Church, <laughs> my, my tie and my badge. <laughs> I definitely tumbled on my mission a lot in full garb, Elder Canaan situations. Um, but for whatever reason, I was actually a gymnast for a long time. I I would be I was this hyperactive kid, and my mom was like your this was a nice way of undiagnosed hyperactivity she was like your spirit is way too big for your body we need to get you into like gymnastics or something that so you don't knock yourself out and hone this energy so when i was like eight years old i was in a gym just flipping and flipping and they'd put me up on the bars anything that i could use momentum i was good at any just brute strength i wasn't so great at but i was on the team so i would like lose at pommel horse and all that but i would like win at floor and stuff so for about four years, I like competed as a gymnast. And then my mom was like, there's a local theater that needs a boy to be in Bye Bye Birdie. And I'm like, what is that? Is that like Gene Kelly? Because I remember watching old movies of like dance mm -hmm. stuff and I'd always kind of get excited about the dance of it all. And I was in Bye Bye Birdie and I was Harvey Johnson and I rocked it out. And I was like, what is, <laughs> what are these costumes? What are these people? What's this choreography? I was obsessed with the director. In my mind, she was Steven Spielberg. I'm like, you're a genius. You are brilliant. This is crazy. So from there, I was hooked. I did every show I could. And then my parents took me into the city to see Crazy For You. And I sat in the audience and all my little bones were tingling, tingling. I was like, I want to do that. I want to how be old, how like old that. were you? How old were you when you saw that? I think I was in the seventh grade. How old are you in the seventh grade? 12. Yeah. yeah. And I came back to my English class and my, my teacher, Miss Farkas, <laughs> <laughs> she asked me to recite what I had seen. And I was like, and I talked for like 20 minutes about the whole show crazy for you. Mm. So yeah, I just did everything I could. I took I took dance, like Jerry, I went, my mom took me to this college. I was the only guy, it was all these women and they were college girls, but in my mind, they were like older women. I'm like, I'm scared, what's happening? But I just <laughs> danced and danced and danced and here we are now, all these years later. Pains to prove it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's so cool that both of you really did start off in your, you know, local sort of theater 
and local dance schools. And it just shows you, you know, that that's really where what needs to be supported, which kind of comes back to the work that you guys are doing. I say that, right I now, say right? that all, I say that all the time to people when I talk uh, uh, to younger people, especially, especially to younger people, because I realize everyone comes from a different background, a different town, a different world, a different experience. And I say, get involved with any theatrical thing you can get involved with, whether it's a church, a school, a community theater, the, the town next door to your town. If you can get there, do it. Acquire a cheerleading squad. I used to choreograph the pom-pom girls in my high school and the flag team because they needed a choreographer. And I'd say, and I hadn't even choreographed. And I said, I'll do it. I can figure the routine out. And I made up the routine for them. And I think back and I said, there were some good routines I made up at like 14 and 15 <laughs> for those people. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. It was, it was just because I wanted to do it and they needed it. And I said, I'll do it. Yeah. So it was experience. I also note my, my teacher in high school, my theater teacher all through high school, she directed every show. This weekend, randomly, they we had a cafetorium, if everyone knows what that is. Like, yes, we had really a cafetorium. A I don't, what is that? It's, it's a cafeteria a that they put a, a little... platform in the middle. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's where you do theater. It's not a yeah. real theater. It's like a makeshift. And we had that all through high school. This weekend, they've raised enough money and they built a huge theater that they're dedicating to my teacher, Emily Gates, that's happening this weekend. I've seen pictures and it's beautiful, wow. and which is exciting. But she's someone that always let me be me and let me do what I wanted to do. I, she, I didn't know how to choreograph, like Jerry was saying, the show choir. And I watched... Paul Abdul videos and I watched TV and I, I picked up steps and was like, what if we did like a, this move everybody? And we all did it. And then I learned more the next year, more the next year. Mm -hmm. So Jerry's the same way. Jerry's such yeah. so good at collaborating ideas and working in a studio with all his dancers. He gets everyone in. He's not like, I'm here to tell you what to do. We're here to work together to create something really cool. I mean, I think that I, idea Paul, Sorry, Paul, ahead, Paul, Paul does a lot of pre-production for me. So by the time we go into rehearsal, usually the routines are kind of figured out and we basically have the, the rough structure of how I want a musical number to go. But the gazintu, as I like to call it, how we get into <laughs> the number, how we get from the scene to the number and how we get out of it and the transitions are usually things that happen more organically once you have the cast together and you sort of see what their gifts are. And I'm always trying to find ways to bring their gifts to the production. I hired them because there was something about them in that audition that really turned me on. And I don't want to squelch that. I actually want to bring that out or highlight it or even raise it up so we can so we can have more of it in the show. I think it's what makes it unique when you see a show where people are individuals. I really love that. I love the yeah. raise it up. Reminds me of Kinky Boots. <laughs> Shout out Kinky Boots. <laughs> Uh, shout out Kinky Boots. Um, Jerry, you worked with Michael Bennett and Jerome Robbins. Like, what was that like to work with those legends? And what, you know, <laughs> what did you learn from them? Or what did you teach them? <laughs> oh, God. So, so the way it worked for me was, you know, this, have you seen the new West Side Story, by the way, which I yes. absolutely loved. And you know, West Side Story was all through my life from 15, 16, 18, 22. You know, I, I was in productions. And so finally, I get to work with Jerry Robbins. But 
before Jerry Robbins was Michael Bennett, Michael had hired me and Bob Avian to be in the national tour of a chorus line between my sophomore and junior year of college. I went on the road with a chorus line and then I got a Broadway show. Well, I had gotten the Broadway show before I got a chorus line. So I was in New York and then Michael was doing this new musical called Scandal. And I'd been in New York for about three or four years now. And I was work, I was in On Your Toes and I was on the Tony Awards dancing for Albert Stevenson, who choreographed extra dancers on the Tony Awards. This was when Hildy and um, uh, uh, Cohen, when they produced the Tony Awards all those years. Mm -hmm. So I was a dancer and Michael was being honored and he saw him and he said, hey, uh, I remember you from a course line. I'm doing I'm doing something. Will you come hang out at the studio? And, and so I went to the studio and he was doing a fashion show for Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda had her, her aerobics thing and Theoni Aldrich had designed the Jane Fonda fashion wear outfits. And he was putting on a one, a one day, like, you know, Millican show at the Schubert with Broadway dancers showing the fashions of Jane Fonda <laughs> workout wear. <laughs> and B.B. Newirth was in it. I mean, everybody on Broadway who was dancing at that time was in it. And Michael created this pas de deux and he had us go in the room, couples and work on it. And then he picked myself and Jody Mocha to be the stars of the fashion show and gave us the pas de deux. And when that was done, he said, now you have to come work with me on Scandal. I'm doing this ballet called the Menage a Trois Ballet and I need your ballet technique. I don't know how to do that. And we're gonna put together this big number. And so I worked with him for a year and a half on Scandal. And then scandal kaplotzed, and he took he he took me he took me to London on the on the Concord. He and Bob to be his assistant on Chess, the original production of Chess. And I went to London with him, and we cast the entire show. And we came back, and that's when he he left town because he was sick. Not we didn't know what it was at the time, or I didn't know. And then Bob and I went back to do Follies. So that was my whole period with Michael, about three years of working with him, being by his mm -hmm. side and learning from him, basically living at 890 Broadway. And it was intense. He was unbelievably focused. And he also was incredibly generous to me. So... Mm -hmm. Those are the things I remember most. I remember his passion. He would sit in a chair. You could smoke in rehearsal rooms at that time. He would sit in a chair and smoke and he wouldn't get out of the chair. And I was doing most of the choreography and the dancing with Danny Herman and Jody Mocha. But when he got mad, he would get up with a cigarette in his mouth and he would do the routine or show you a step. And he hadn't even, we'd never seen him do it. He was just getting up and doing it because he, he he watched it so many times. Do it like this. And he'd, and he'd throw himself into it. And it was like, he didn't even do a stretch. He didn't even warm up. Oh my <laughs> God. And uh, it was thrilling actually. And, and then I had the opportunity to work with Jerry Robbins. And so two years of my life putting Jerome Robbins Broadway together and the same, same characteristics, same everything. And so the thing that I walked away with, with those guys were 
the gifts that I now use in my own work, but things that I already had inside of me that they just helped bring out, which was an endless sort of energy and passion to get the job done. And they're frustrated. When, when people say Jerry Robbins was mean or Michael Bennett was mean, I think to myself, yeah, sometimes they were, but mostly they were mean because they were frustrated with themselves. And they didn't have a they didn't have a filter with their own frustration in their inability to get it finished. That's when I saw them be most most upset. They were upset with themselves. Basically, what I'm also saying is that I never come into the room expecting anyone in the room to do anything that I can't do myself. I want everybody in the room to be able to come in with that same energy, that same focus, that same passion to work on the piece. That's what creating is that's what's special about creating well that whole thing just makes me wonder in general if the the mental health of this industry has changed in a way because you you hear stories of bob fossey and all these people with tempers and the, their creative art and if it doesn't go right everything's falls apart i i i've never heard jerry mitchell scream and yell and i've worked with him for the last over 10 years 12 years we've worked we did lacage in 2005 yeah, yeah. Um, well, the other the other person who I didn't mention, who sort of was the the director, who stepped into my life, because when I think of Michael and Jerry Robbins, even though they were directors, they were dancers and choreographers first, like I was. But the person who was only a director was Jack O'Brien, hmm. and Jack O'Brien was not just a director; he ran a Lord Theater for years, and so his ability to be the a democratic person to show everyone the time and the focus and the love to help them come on board to create the vision was a really unique gift to find at that time. And Jack and I collaborated for 10 years together on musicals. So I learned from him how to be less of a ballet master and more of a, a democratic director. Yeah, nice. Um, Paul Lacage Faux, legally blonde, kinky <laughs> boots. Um, yeah, like any any stories from there from those days or any anything you want to talk about, Jerry? <laughs> well, <laughs> always, always. <laughs> no, but for no, for you, for your own development and stuff. Um, you know, we're, we're, and I know with Legally Blonde too, you were also on the TV show that was yeah. the the reality was- show for for Legally Blonde which was such a blast. I really was only on it because Jerry had just filmed a TV show with Bravo and the contract was he couldn't be on this other TV show. He could only be on it for six minutes. And they were like, well, that's not enough for a judge. He'll just be kind of this presence and we'll use those six minutes in the finale and kind of throughout and insert randomly Paul Kanan. I wasn't a dance captain (laughs) on the show. I wasn't anything. It was basically Amanda Lippitz and some of the producers that were like, Paul's going to be on the show. I was like, excuse me? What's happening now? <laughs> um, so I'd do the show all day and then go jump rope at night and run, wake up in the morning and be TV ready and run back. Um, but Jerry, I, I had heard of Jerry because I came to New York in 2000. I was in Miss Saigon with Jody Mosha, who he was talking about. She was the dance associate there. And I remember auditioning. I saw Hairspray and Thoroughly Modern Millie. And I was like, these are the two best shows on Broadway. I got to be in both of them. And I went to a Hairspray audition and I walked out being like, that was the most fun audition I've ever been to in my life. That guy, that tall guy, 
had such a great <laughs> energy. There was a live drummer in the room. He was like, dance your asses off, have fun. It was just this exhilarating human to be around. So when Lacage came around, I was there auditioning and I'd never wore heels before and I'd never wore makeup before, but I was like, hell if I'm going to flip my face off in these heels as much as I possibly can. And then I got the show and working, I just would chime up with ideas and he was open to it. And I think he thought I talked too much, which I do for sure. <laughs> but we just formed this friendship. I was like, this is someone that I would do theater with in high school. Like we just felt like, like equals and just doing, we had fun what we were doing every single day. When you're, so, when you're work, when you're working on a show, you, I want people in the room who are willing to just try anything. And Paul was crazy. And he would try <laughs> anything I made him try, including throwing him over the open orchestra pit into the splits. And I didn't know if I could do that, but I said, let's try. And so it was became a step in La Caja Full. I was throwing guys, two guys would throw a guy over the open orchestra pit and landing in the splits. And, and I said, come on, Paul, try it. And Paul did it. And I went, this is fabulous. Let's do it again. <laughs> and so, you know, like... but that's the kind of stuff you want people. And I remember the first time we were working on the, uh, the conveyor belt number in kinky, kinky Boots and Paul had to go to the dentist. I mean, we were running it for the first time in the rehearsal room at New 42 and Paul had to go to the dentist. And Paul had done all the pre-production of it and everything, but he came back in the room and we were actually running it and he was watching it for the first time. And I don't remember the exact thing you said to me, but you said something like, oh my God, that is unbelievable. And by this time, I hadn't lost, lost confidence in the number, but I had certainly in my mind... Uh, chopped the number up to, are we doing this? Are we doing this? Are we building here? Is it landing? I wasn't looking at it as a number in the show, end of act one. I was looking at it like, is it doing what I need it to do? There were so many times the producers asked me to lengthen it, make it longer. People in the audience in Chicago were writing more dancing, more conveyor belts. And I went, no, 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 no. Less is more. Never. I even cut some stuff that we had done in pre-production out of it because I wanted oh, yeah. it to really make make an impact and i didn't want it to outwear its welcome so but paul paul saw it and paul was like oh my god and i was like okay it's working that was the first person really who who that was the first time i actually believed there was a number there when paula came back from the dentist oh that's sweet when paul came back from the dentist <laughs> story of my memoirs when paul came back from the dentist and you wore new those york, heels everybody. really i hear the sirens sounds not, um, i miss new york right now um and you wore the heels really well in both Lacage and in Kinky Boots. I loved your well, heels. Well, in Lacage, our heels were about two and a half inches wide, high. In Kinky Boots, I did a backflip in five inch heels. I remember. Were, yes, yes, he the did. The first time I did yes, that backflip, I was like, how do I, now I bend down and then I just <laughs> curl myself through space? What happens here? But Jerry sets that environment. I'm like, I'll do anything for you. Let's try it. Uh, I, I love the idea that, um, you know, there's sort of a bridge, I think, between this idea of collaboration and also the idea of philanthropy, because that's also kind of a collaboration, right? You're, yeah. you're collaborating in a different way. Um, Paul, I want to go to you and just talk a little bit about Take It From The Top. 
um, I remember when you were starting this company and, um, and now it's, you know, you're just doing so much work. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the whole idea behind it is that as we're talking about being young people and, and search grasping for kind of resources to do theater, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know those guys that were up on the crazy for you stage. I didn't know anyone who'd walked this path of professional Broadway theater. I was in California dancing in my backyard and doing flips. So once I came to Broadway and saw um, that there's such a need, there's such a, there's, and especially with the, with Glee and Smash and movie musicals coming back, there's such a surge of, of people all over the country that are desperate for musical theater. So me and Laura Bell Bundy from Legally Blonde, obviously, we, we were like, how can we give back? How can we create programming and curriculum and get these people hearing the real stories about Broadway and what a headshot is and all this stuff. So that's kind of why and, and where it started from. We're in, we're in Michigan at the Dr. Um, sorry, we're in Michigan at the Wharton Center. We're in Orlando, the Dr. Phillips Center. We do a ton of master classes. We've been all over the place. Now, so much of my passion is just the world is in so much upheaval and crazy madness. My goal is to get on these Zooms and these classes, and I'm not so much focused on getting people to Broadway. I'm, I so much want to start the conversation of how can we just all be good humans? Mm -hmm. Yes, you just sang a song. What do you think this human's going through? What do you think they're doing? And thinking differently about just who we are, all, all are. Because whether they go into this or not doesn't matter to me. I think people are going to be successful in any career having sung a song considered other characters, the empathy that goes into that, having danced and thinking about the way your body moves. I think anybody can use this, the life skills that come from theater. I think that's so true. And as somebody who has, you know, no talent and back to West Side Story for a second, seventh grade, when you were like, you know, already like working on your, on your dancing in seventh grade, I was in Mr. Lachey's theater arts class and I was a a jet girl. And I realized oh. immediately I was on the stage and I, um, you remember Mary Bond who was in Hairspray? Of course. She was in my, she was in my class in seventh oh grade God. in Mr. Lachey's <laughs> theater arts class. And I remember, um, looking at her, but I also remember just being, you know, Tony's dead. Right. And I'm like, you know, on the ground and I'm crying. And I thought I could never be an actor ever. I have no talent, but I realized that that experience of being part of that ensemble and um, working together and working collaboratively. And like you said, the empathy that you have to have and, and just all the skills that I learned, you know, everybody should have that, whether they're going to be, um, you know, whatever, whatever walk of life they're going to choose, it just adds so much value to your life. Right? Yeah. I mean, the, the arts, the arts, what you're doing is you're asking, you're asking people to challenge themselves when you invite them into a show, into a dance routine, into a song, you have to do this. You actually have to stand on the stage and you have to do, nobody can do it for you. So you're teaching them to do for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. If they can conquer a song or a dance or a monologue, they can conquer something else in whatever walk of life they decide to go into by, by themselves. And that's sort of a gift you're giving people, Paul. You're definitely yeah. giving them that gift. Yeah. And also Paul has, Paul has found some amazing people around the world with his, with his uh, 
program, which I don't know this, but I hired, there's a, there's a person in the tour of uh, a pretty woman, M, and she, that they are spectacular. They, they are a spectacular performer and, and they took your, your class, didn't they? The original M was in our original take it from the top that we did at the Wharton center. Yeah. And wow. now didn't reach out to me. They're just posting all this stuff about pretty woman. I was like, you need to tell me if you're doing a show with Jerry Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> but in Michigan too, there's so many rural areas that do not have arts programs. They have to drive two hours to come to the Wharton Center. And then with the pandemic, their arts is, is just totally cut off. We have a trans student actually who felt very bullied at school and met kids through Take It From The Top, the online version of Take It From The Top that we've been doing for the last year and a half and moved schools into another school nearby with all the friends that um, they had made in the, in the program. And wrote, a, wrote me, and, me and my partner, Jacob, this long letter about like, thank you, thank you for this. I would never have the resources to reach out of my bubble and know any of this stuff. So it's not just always about the performing, it's about people's lives and, and humanity. That's really the crux of the art form anyway. That's deep, but. <laughs> When I think of the two of you, also the other image that comes into my mind are um, handstands on the beach. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just saying that we've got it. We're this this summer when we are finally able to get together after two absent summers, we're going to have to take three pictures. Mm-hmm. Wait, so you've done <laughs> this like what, ten years? Ten years? Uh, I'd have to Your go count on the wall, but there's a picture for every year. I think about ten years. Yeah, and one in. One in Mexico where we ended up on the same beach, not even knowing that we were both going to be in Mexico. We were in the heat of the original production, just filming stuff. It was Jerry's <laughs> birthday. He was like, well, I'm going to Mexico. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, what about our meeting, our meeting? And I was going to Mexico. I didn't even think about the word Mexico. I was going for a friend's birthday as well. And we were in the hotels next door to each other and didn't even realize it. And then we walked out on the beach. We got a margarita. We did a handstand, took a picture. <laughs> took Jerry out to dinner for his birthday was the most random thing ever. So but for anybody listening, these two do handstands on the beach. Is it in the summer? It's like a special day. Oh yeah. Every, day? every summer, every summer out here on fire Island, we tried to do it. We try to push yeah, it towards well, the end. And there was one summer when I was in kinky boots that I, um, ran out the door and decided to do a front handspring on the boardwalk. And I broke my toe and Jerry was like, well, you're out of the show, but, Let's see if we can do this handstand. So a friend of ours <laughs> literally carried me onto the beach. And in the picture that we have, I you can see my toe is wrapped up with like tape from your drawer or something. <laughs> funny. So we we make it happen no matter what. Well, other than handstands, you now you guys have also we are partnering on the original production. And so you tell us exactly what you do. You're taking original choreography from Broadway shows and you're helping to teach that and license that to perform to productions around the country in high schools. Yeah, is that so what it is? I had, I had, when I was doing hairspray and, and mostly with legally blonde, because there was the MTV taping, um, people started to use the choreography and copy it and use it in their productions. And I wasn't really looking to make money from that, but I, what I was really trying to do was I said, if they're going to do it, I want them to do it right. Can mm-hmm. I provide them with a CD or a DVD at the time 
that would allow them allow them to be a co- become a collaborator or me to become a collaborator on their production and help them understand that a step isn't just about a step. It's usually connected for me. It's always connected to the story you're trying to tell in the musical. So I got this idea and I kind of pitched it to MTI and Freddie Gershon thought it was a wonderful idea and Drew. And so we sort of got together, Paul and I, and uh, we have an amazing uh, producing funding uh, uh, friend who has who has helped us get it off the ground, and our partner. And basically, what we're trying to do is provide anyone who wants it the original Broadway choreography with the original Broadway choreographer attached to tell them the story behind the steps. And mm-hmm. each each show has a different. Um, a different, uh, you know, it's done differently, but it's all, it all comes to you in like DVDs and uh, not DVDs and downloads and you can download it. And Paul, you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell, you can tell better than I can. The goal is not to download it. It's all streamable, yeah. but it's been really fascinating and interesting because Legally Blonde, people watched it on MTV and a lot of productions were like sending us, Hey, we did it just like you guys. Um, so we were like, let's film all this and see if the, the choreographer can kind of monitor, monetize on their intellectual property, because a lot of people are just looking it up on YouTube now, which didn't exist, you know, 15 years ago. But what we've learned being in the space is that regardless kind of of who's choreographing it, there's so many teachers and directors, especially in the junior highs and high schools that don't have the resource to choreograph a big Broadway musical. And it's usually the choir teacher that, which when I was in high school, she was essentially our choir teacher directing Brigadoon and Music Man and all these shows. So I would try to figure out how to choreograph these shows. But what they're doing is giving them to the students. If they have a student that kind of excels in dance, they're giving these videos and and access to all of these videos. And this kid gets to spend four hours with Jerry Mitchell learning every step to Legally Blonde, every step to Hairspray. Then they can go in and use what works for them they don't have to use every single step yeah. that he did like oh you guys yeah. can't do the double i say do you may have you may have 20 nicest kids in town i only had 10 on broadway so mm-hmm. use as many people change your patterns but here's the basic idea so it gives them it gives them room to create for them for their own production but yet gives them some sense of understanding about what it was we were trying to do in telling the story with the choreography yeah, yeah, I love that idea. But before we before we end here, I just um, I wanted to ask you. I mean, obviously, arts education has been a huge part of both of your lives, um, and what it means for you and for and for future generations. But also, what advice would you give listeners about taking action and supporting important causes and being, you know, humans of service to others? I, I would say nobody does it on their own. You know, it it just doesn't happen. It just isn't the way, it isn't the way the world works. It works best when we come together and we work together to make a fabulous show. So why shouldn't that be the way it is about everything? So yeah, get involved and, and remember if you are lucky enough to have any sense of success, how you got there and how you can pay that back to the people who got you there. And I would just kind of say what I, what I, tell my students, show up, show up where you can, how you can, when you can. I mean, if you have, there's so many um, fundraising efforts going around and everyone's like, oh, well, I'm not a person that could donate a thousand dollars to something, but I'm good for 20 bucks for a ton of different 
not a ton of different, but give what you can. People the most valuable, the most valuable gift you can give is your time, your mm -hmm. time. Yeah. That's the most valuable gift. So give your time. And be a part of the conversation. Listen, listen to what, what everyone's talking about and just, just be a part of the conversation. It's so easy to, to burrow away into our houses with this pandemic and, and hide from everything. But there's a whole world that's happening and everyone's trying to, a lot of people are trying to make the world a better place. And you can be a part of that if you show up. Yeah. Well, thank you both for showing up here today. And I'm <laughs> so privileged to have been part of this conversation. So thank you again. And I adore you both. Thank you for thank having you us. For having us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, editor, and friend, Jim Lochner. And thank you to everyone at BPN, including Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and Kimberly Garris. I'd also like to thank Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency and Eric Becker from Broderick Street Music. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit bpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.